Let's pray. Father, right now in this room, have your way. Lord, we thank you for your love that chases us, Lord, into every bar, into every adulterous relationship, into every app on our phone that we shouldn't be using. Your love that chases us into the darkest alleys where we're using, into the needles and the substances that we've replaced you with. It's your love that chases us, Father. And we thank you that it chases us into the darkness. Father, you loved us at our darkest. And Father, bring us into your light today. I thank you that this song is going to be branded on every heart in this room. And it's going to follow them into Monday. And what we do on Sunday works on Monday. And what happens in this room works in their living room. And what happens here works in the office. And Father, it's your spirit that breaks out in this region and all across every single house represented, every single home represented. Husbands who are not in this room right now, chase them down wives that are not in this room chase them down father the prodigals the ones who knew your name and yet walked away chase them down father so that there's not even room enough in this auditorium to contain those who have been chased down by your reckless love father i thank you for your joy and your peace over every mind in this place and i thank you for surprises i thank you for surprises I think, can somebody just say amen to some surprises in their life? Can somebody just lift it up for some surprises in their life? Hallelujah! Praise God! Woo! Come on, Ty. You, you have my permission to drum like that every week. <laughs> now listen, we're getting ready to preach. You're a little more than halfway through. And uh, why don't you do this? As you get ready to take your seat, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just say, surprise, you get to sit next to me. Why don't you take a look at that other person that you ignored and say, you get to enjoy my presence too. Well, we're in a series called Surprise Me. This is week four. And, uh, you know, I think it's been a life-changing experience for many. Is there anyone here who can say, man, I've been here the last couple weeks and something has just changed in my life as a result of just surprise me in V1 Church. Anyone out there? Okay, like four or five people. That was great. That was great. Praise God. It was all worth it for you three. Yep. I miss my wife. Anyone else miss her? I want her back. I'm like, okay, you Ukrainians. I want her back. She's already preached two churches today. Isn't that incredible? She is tearing it up. I just love her. She was singing and they were singing together and she's posting videos, but we'll have her back next Sunday. And that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, man, my, my boo, my babe. Okay, anyways. 
<laughs> My name is Michael Signorelli. Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor of this church for those of you who are just getting to meet me right now. Um, and, and I got to tell you a little bit about my wife. Every week seems to be like a confession about her, whether she likes it or not. But she's like my biggest source of material, you know. And um, I don't know if any of you are like this, but Julie hates surprises. Is there anyone else who just like you really don't like surprises? Okay, okay. Okay, take a look around at how many women raised their hand, guys. <laughs> I didn't know this. And it can be very defeating when you put together like a dinner that we're going to go to this location and then we're going to go here and then we're going to make out over here and then we're going to make out over here and then, you know. And, and I had this whole, I remember, I've been married for over a decade, okay. We love healthy marriages in this place. Some of the singles are on their way right now. You got a divine revelation of somebody sitting in the seat next to you or, or you looked across the aisle or you scanned all the check-ins on Facebook because you're a creeper and the Lord maybe showed you someone that you can be with. Um, but, you know, after over a decade of marriage, the reality is my wife just hates to be surprised and, you know, she does this thing. It's like, and this happened the very first time and it continues to happen where she says, you know, like, hey, hey, um, can you just tell me what the surprise is? And I'm like, no, that, I mean, I took all this extra time. Like, isn't the romance and the surprise and the details and all that? And she's like, no, not really. Uh, can you just tell me anyways? And, and so, and then she says this classic line, and maybe some of you guys have, have said this yourself or heard this, I'll be just as surprised if you tell me. Or like, I'll like it just as much as you tell me. And I kid you not, I will tell her, okay, we're gonna go here and do this and this. She's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then I still get the same cool points, you know? But here's the reality of it. God is trying to surprise you too. And you've got so many expectations about how life should be. And God is trying to take you on this journey. And, and maybe you're a lot like Julie on the journey with God where you're like, please, God, just tell me how it's all going to go down. Like, I promise I'll be just as excited. But the problem is there's some character and there's some things in, your, in the integrity of your being that God wants to deal with along the journey. And so he keeps you blindfolded. And sometimes God actually will tell you what's going to happen, but not necessarily tell you how. And you may, in this room, be a victim of God's surprise. Is there anyone here who can maybe attest to that, that you feel sometimes like a victim to God's surprise? This book is a book full of surprises. Let me just tell you, I've read it cover to cover in a couple different translations. Definitely only memorized it in King James, because that's the holiest one. <laughs> I stumble over the message version every single week because my brain's telling me to say thee and thou and all this other stuff nobody says anymore. But, um, but this book is full of surprises and you've got guys in this, this book who God told them what was gonna happen but didn't tell them how it was going down. And you watch them just, and you know why he does that? This is a raw deal that we all get in life because that's actually how you activate faith. Can I just say it again? The reason why, this is for the note takers in the room because somebody's gonna learn something today. We've got some note takers there. The reason why he gives you the what but doesn't give you how is because in that whole equation is where you have to activate your faith. And see, the reason why Julie doesn't like to know what's happening next is because maybe she doesn't have that much faith in me. <laughs> Is this actually going to be a good date or not? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 13. I think I got her by now, though. You guys think I got her by now? Okay. 
Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says this. I'm going to read it in the NIV, the second holiest translation of the Bible. If you need to use your phone, your, your Bible can glow. It is the light of the world. But you can use our app, and we actually have the Bible on the V1 Church app. And it says this in verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And, and, and I'm going to read this next one. It says, whoever scorns instructions will pay for it, but whoever respects a command is rewarded. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's a lot of sick people in this room. There's a lot of sick people listening to the podcast right now. Hope, which is an expectation of what's going to happen in the future. Deferred, which means to be delayed and set into another appointed time or no time at all, makes your heart actually grow sick. Hope deferred makes your heart grow sick. There's some people in this room who are trusting God for a baby. You can trust, and then that hope, as it sits on the shelf long enough, will actually turn into sickness. Isn't that crazy? The shelf life of hope in your life will actually begin to expire and turn into heart sickness. Maybe you've just been believing that you could have the marriage of your dreams, and you're like, I'm so sick and tired of that pastor talking about how much he loves his wife and wish that a man would talk about me like that too. And what used to be hope what, what used to be one of the greatest expectations of your life, so much so that you walk down the aisle, has turned now into heart sickness. And see, one thing, I might not be the most eloquent pastor, but one thing that I do is I listen to hearts and I hear hearts. And I feel like the last couple weeks in this room, I could hear hearts saying, you keep saying God wants to surprise me, but my hope has turned to heart sickness. And if you're in this room, God wants to tell you once again, surprise is coming. The title of this message, for those of you taking notes, is the time before the surprise. The time before the surprise. Why don't you tell somebody next to you, it's coming, it's coming. Come on, shake them up a little bit. Why don't you just grab their arm and rattle them and say, I'm telling you, it's coming. You're getting your surprise. <laughs> What do you do in the time before the surprise? Wait, wait a second. So, so this guy's just trying to encourage me. I get it. I go to church, and he's like, if I can keep the message encouraging enough, then more and more people will show up. I get it. He's just trying to be one of those, those feel-good preachers. I get it. Yeah, that's what it is. Because all those things that he says every week at V1 Church is for other people. Because your hope deferred made your heart sick. Have you ever talked to somebody with a sick heart? You know, the Bible says that out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. How do you know someone's got heart sickness? Because when you try to give them more hope and more faith and activate that thing in their life, you know what you're going to get back? A lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of injustice. Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. If some of you in this room would have told me that I was going to have a good marriage. At one point in my marriage, I not only would have not believed you, but I would have actually got mad at you for even saying it. I would have literally got mad at you because I'd have been like, you know what? You are an idiot. You've just confirmed it now. Because you don't know my situation. You don't know Julie. She's messed up. No, I'm just kidding. We all know that's a lie. She's like a Mother Teresa. <laughs> 
We're like, if you don't like Julie, it's your fault. I'm just going to tell you right now. She gets defriended and blocked on Facebook more than me. And I'm like, I have no explanation for that at all. Um, but, but the thing I wanted to say to you today is that if you're one of those people who's been hearing God try to speak into your life and try to tell you what it really could be, and it's producing something other than yes and amen, maybe your, your hope's been deferred. Is there anyone here who's ready to get their hope reignited today? Is there anyone here who will just say, God, go ahead and do it today. I'll give you permission to do it. You can write this down. There are three things that you learn in the time before the surprise. You know, this has been a long time coming, guys. I'm looking at this auditorium. You know, Anthony did his thing. The cast of characters who came up here and spoke. And everything that you've witnessed up until this point has literally been a miracle. At 16 years old, in the south side of Chicago, I was given a dream to plant a church. And it was a long, long, hard road where I failed and passed test after test after test until it materialized into Long Island Church. And you know... There was this time before the surprise. You know, our campfire story is that Anthony and his wife, Callan, came out to Indiana where I was an executive pastor and they looked at the church and I'll never forget during the worship service at Road to Life Church, all of a sudden he looked at me and he, he kind of elbowed me in my ribs and I was like, yeah, what's up? And he said, is this what you want to do in New York? And I said, yeah, pretty close, man. Like, I want to do something just like this, something big vision. I don't, want to, I don't want to come out and just, I want to do something crazy, man. I want to cash it all in and, and show New York how much Jesus loves them and how much they're on God's mind. And I'll never forget, Anthony looked at me and he said, he, he turned like this and he said, then this is an emergency. That's what he said. Then this is an emergency. And he went back and he started casting vision and we started getting this thing together and then money started showing up because people said, I'm gonna literally not just give you lip service, but I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and we're gonna make this thing happen. And now here we are in this place and it was like this holy surprise in my life. But there was a time before the surprise. There was a time before the surprise. And what, what was Mike Signorelli doing in the time before the surprise? I was an executive pastor unrolling inflatables in a gymnasium for, v, for Road to Life kids. And, and I, all I had was a dream. And, and honestly, I felt stupid for even having it. And it's crazy seeing all your faces here because it, it, when you're from Indiana, there's more corn than anything else. <laughs> And you don't go into major metropolitan areas and launch churches. You just don't do that. And I knew like 15 people here. And yet I had a dream and there was this time before, time before the surprise. Number one is this, how you wait reveals which story you truly believe. Can I say it again? How you wait before the surprise comes reveals the story that you truly believe. I'll just keep going because I'm going to preach this one today. You guys, I feel sorry for you guys. Number two, in the waiting room of life, God visions thrive while your own false visions die. This is what happens before the surprise. In the waiting room of life, when it hasn't happened yet, God visions thrive. They are beginning to mobilize and come together and the pieces are forming while those false visions, the one where Mike Signorelli was on the Chicago Blackhawks as their leading center, 
<laughs> that, was my, that was my vision before church planning. And I love hockey because you can simultaneously, you know, rock somebody into the boards and, 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 and you can have this finesse thing and then you can rip someone's jersey over their head and just brutalize them and get like two minutes for it in a penalty box. Don't you wish real life was like this? I mean, I feel like New York would be a better, happier place if you could just rip somebody's shirt over their head and, anyways, just pummel them and you get two minutes and it's over. And then you respect each other more. I'm just kidding. I apologize. Erase that on the podcast. But I had this dream of being this, you know, a hockey star. And then I had this dream of, you know, you, you, have, you guys probably can identify like you're five foot one and you thought you're going to be Muggsy Bogues playing in the NBA, dunking a ball, you know. Um, and God's like, it's funny. <laughs> I can do anything, but there's some things I just don't do. <laughs> Would make you a little arrogant to have a nine foot vertical. We're not going to do that. You can't contain it. You have too much pride for that. But in the waiting room of life before the surprise, the God visions start to thrive and your false visions die. Number three is this. God dreams aren't just worth the wait. They're produced during the waiting. When's the highlight reel made? It's made when you feel like it's the low light reel. See, in the kingdom of heaven, the highlight reel is the low light reel because that's the proof that God did it. That's the proof that it's bigger than you because you couldn't do it in your own, own ability or power anyways. So in the time before the surprise, God dreams, they're not just worth the wait, they're actually being produced in the wait. I want to tell you about a man named Joseph. If Joseph was born on Long Island, maybe we'd call him Joey. My friend Joey in the book of Genesis. Did I make it relevant enough? I love the story of Joseph because he really didn't do anything to deserve the way that he was treated most of the time in his life. And it'd be really easy for him to take the posture or the position of a victim. But what I really see happening in the story of, of Joey is this guy actually ministered out of the times where he was treated the worst. He literally ministered out of the time. So let me just, can I go back and just build this story out for you? So you've got this, this boy, this teenager, and he just, he dreams a dream. He didn't ask for it. It just came to him. And the dream sort of revealed that he was going to be a significant leader. And he did the thing that most of us do when we have any level of dream that we're excited about is he shared it. And he shared it with the people that he should have been closest to. He shared it with his family. And it was his own family who began to conspire against him and said, Joseph thinks he's better than us. Joseph thinks that he's going to be in charge. Joseph thinks that he's not just one of the brothers, that he's going to lead the brothers. And they begin to conspire against him. And then they took, and th this is where it gets dirty, because maybe none of you can identify with this, but sometimes the people who are closest to you are the ones that will hurt you the most. Am I the only one who's ever had that happen? So his brothers take him. They conspire against each other and they actually splash blood on his coat, throw him into a well, so sell him into, take him out, sell him into slavery, and then they go lie to the father and they say, hey, you, you know what happened to Joseph? He was eaten by an animal and he's dead. And you've got this whole narrative going. But see, here's what happens. See, the God dream 
that was the truth. And this other narrative that all his brothers and all his naysayers and all his haters was trying to build about his life, it was a false narrative that was never gonna stand against the truth of what God said about his life. See, from the moment that you were born, there were two narratives, there were two stories about who you were. There was a story that God destined, and then there's this other narrative that people, because of the human will, because of their ability to choose right and wrong, many times choose wrong, and, and, and as they're making that wrong choice, they begin to build a story about who you are and what you are, and these stories begin to duke it out, and then culture, through the songs that you listen to and the movies that you watch and the teachers that you have, begins to build this story around your entire being, and then all of a sudden you get consumed about the ideas of who am I? I mean, I, I mean, uh, what am I all about? Like, what do I stand for? And there's this identity that is born inside of you. And that's why it's so important to come to a place like this to encounter God. Because it's when you connect with God that the true story begins to be revealed to you. It's when you connect with God and he as your father begins to communicate with you that you understand the fullness of who you really are from the beginning. Right now in this room, there's some of you who have been living this narrative that, was, that is not from God. And it's, and it's when we're in worship. And the band's going to help me out if that's all right. I mean, it's not over yet. I've still got more to preach. But there is something in your life that begins to shift when you get connected. And see, the thing that Joseph had the entire time was he had this deep truth, this deep story, this deep dream inside of him that was overriding the lies that were told. And as his story goes on and on, I want to read this to you. This is Genesis 45, verse 8. It says, so then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Can somebody say, but God? But God. And so what happens on the other end of Joseph's life story is that his brothers sell him into slavery, lie about his death, and, and every single turn, Potiphar's wife actually uh, tried to come on to him and, and after because she was thirsty, and there are some thirsty people who try to rob you of your destiny. You know what I'm talking about? She was trying to meet her own need. And she, she, and this guy was such a guy of integrity, he literally ran from the appearance of evil. And because of that, he was thrown in jail. And it's while he was in jail that he perpetually and continually was done wrong over and over and over again. And as I went through this story in the book of Genesis, you have Joseph actually asking the people in the jail, are you all right? Yeah, this is the, what, what the word of the Lord is. And he's literally prophesying, he's speaking into people's life and encouraging them in what could have been his darkest hour. And there's somebody in this place that needs to know before the surprise. No, this is not a feel-good preacher. I'm not trying to pump you full of the power of positive thinking. I'm trying to tell you it's in your darkest hour. It's when it feels like a low light that you can make it into a highlight. It's while you're suffering with cancer that you can turn to someone and say, yeah, but the Lord is still my healer because his body's going to fail, but his word never fails. And even though I may die, there's a spirit that lives on because he liberated me. Be Behold, he is still a healer. There's somebody in this place that could be your darkest hour. Yeah, am I depressed? Well, I want to be, but nevertheless, I'm worshiping because my true identity, the one that wins is the worshiper. And see, that's what you have to choose. Joseph had to keep going back to a dream he only had once. What a luxury to come to church and hear it every week. He kept having to go back to a dream he only heard once, but he knew it was real. 
He knew it was real. He knew it was real. My wife kept going back to a vision she had that we're sitting across the kitchen table having an amicable, amicable good relationship. And she said, I know that that's real. Kept going back to the dream. Through everything I went through, I kept going back to the dream I had at 16. I'm going to birth the church. I'm going to plant the church. I had to keep going back to that dream. Yeah, I'm unrolling inflatables now. Yes, I'm behind the scenes now. Yes, I'm alcohol addicted now. Yes, I'm not a good husband now. But I'm going back to the dream. I'm going back to the dream. I'm going back to the dream. I'm going back to the dream until it happens. I'm going back to the dream. See, there's a time before the surprise, and it's what you do before the surprise that determines when the surprise drops. See, let me tell you this. Joseph said this. He stood in front of his brothers, and now it had all been revealed. Guess what? I, 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 I actually didn't die. Hey, Dad. <laughs> hey, hey, brothers, the ones who thought you sold me out. Um, I'm actually in charge of Egypt now, and I am your ruler just like the dream said I would be. And, and, and guess what? Not only am I not mad at you for it, <laughs> I'm not even mad at you. Can somebody say, I ain't mad at you? See, that's a power statement. When you can look at the person who thought that they did you wrong, when you can look at the person who thought that they ended your life and destroyed your purpose and say, I ain't mad at you. Actually, I'm about to help you because I met a man named Jesus who put me in this place and he can lift you up too. And see, I'm here to tell you, Joseph, he looked down at his brothers and said, guess what? I got a big pile of grain and, and right now there's a famine that's happening in the land, but um, I'm not struggling like you guys are struggling because I never lost my integrity. I never lost my connection to God. I never forgot the dream that he gave me and I'm doing all right. So why don't you go back and get my dad and I'm, we're about to do a big reveal. And see, there's somebody in this room who needs their reveal this, this Sunday. You need your big reveal. It's time for you to step up. It's time for you to say, it's time for my reveal today. And what he did was this. I, I'm gonna read this scripture because we, we're going to close this thing down. It says in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19, it says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Hey, you who robbed me, don't be afraid. Hey, you who victimized me and walked out on me, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. I'm now giving faith where you tried to take it. I'm now giving faith where you tried to take it. He says, am I in the place of God? No, no, see, I never forgot who was in control of my story the entire time. I never forgot who was writing the story. See, I'm not the author. See, I might play a little part, and I might get to put a period and a comma, but you know what? Ultimately, this thing was being written by God, and in his wisdom. Now watch, here's the next line. What you intended to harm me, God intended it for good to accomplish what's being done now. See, somebody got it. What you did to hurt me, yeah, God didn't do it. It ain't his fault. Yeah, yeah, maybe I was abused. Maybe I was hurt. Yeah, and you did it. But don't be afraid because the tables are turning and God showed up now and he's revealing something to you. And what you meant for harm, he's turning it around for my good. What you meant for harm. See, you know, it, it's funny because I was like, God, why was I 
Why did I have to walk that walk? Why, why on 7454 Southeastern in Hammond, Indiana, did I have to go hungry some nights? And he said, well, you know, they meant it for your harm because they didn't step up and become the man that they should have been and father you in that time. But you're going to know what it is to be hungry because you're going to serve some hungry people. And, and, and I said, God, oh, why is it that I had to walk through those years of my life fatherless and, and orphaned? And, and, and I don't understand. Why did I have to learn the hard way? Why did YouTube have to father me? Why did YouTube have to teach me how to use a tool he said because there's a fatherless world out there that's going to need you to have to go through something and you're going to have to rise up and show them that it is possible to come up and do what I've called you to do and see someone in this room God didn't do it but God said what they meant for harm I'm going to turn it around for my good my good my God and why why my, why my good because it's his story and see when your story becomes history it then becomes his story did you hear me? When your story becomes history, it then becomes his story. And there's somebody in this room that the past needs to ultimately become the past. And when you say that's history now, but now it's his story, okay? And see, God's going to raise you up just like he did Joseph. Let me read something to you. These God dreams, they're not just worth the wait. They're actually produced in the waiting. See, because it's in the area of your woundedness that you become a wounded healer. It's in the area of your abandonment that you become present. See, oftentimes when I meet people who have a heart for the lost, it's because they themselves were lost. And they said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I was once lost. Oh, but God, 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 come on. Somebody here today, somebody here now. See, we got to learn how to steward a moment because a moment happens and then a moment passes. But right now, there's a moment happening in this room. Would you stand up on your feet? There's a moment that you can't miss. This is your destiny today to be here. You couldn't have been anywhere else. You couldn't have been anywhere else. See, here's what's happening right now. It's time for the reveal. It's time for your reveal. Now listen. For those of you who are like, man, this whole service was crazy. I've never seen anything like this. Get over yourself. You've done weirder things. Okay? Get over yourself. You know one of the biggest roots of fear in your life is actually pride? Can I just say that, Long Island? Can I just say that, New York? See, I'm from Indiana. We're too stupid to be prideful. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was pride. But, but here's the thing, a lot of the fear in your life is a result of pride. And nobody would ever know this. This is the mask that I'm about to take off of you right now. Because people would look at you and they'd give you, they would prescribe all these other reasons of the fear in your life. It's pride. It's that you think that you're in charge. And the reason why you refuse to activate your expectation and turn it into faith is because you actually think that you're God. And see, I'm going to tell you the most powerful moment I ever had in my life is when I said, God, I'm getting out of the way. Have your way. 
I was an atheist at Indiana University, 19 years old, and I moved into a house with four guys, and one of them was a 33-year-old theologian who was like, oh, you got questions about God? Too bad you moved in with me, sucker. And then God said, I got you. Oh, you need a little bit of science? Oh, we got astrophysicists coming to accept Christ by the thousands right now because of uh, discoveries that are happening right now on the earth. Do you know that? Do you know that? See, see, the tide is turning right now. See, there, what's happening is the tide is turning right now. God gave you your intellect. Don't you think he can redeem it and set you on fire for his kingdom? God gave you your mind. And doesn't it make sense that that's the source of all the doubt that you have is your brain? Because it's the very thing he's trying to use to kill Satan's kingdom on earth and bring heaven down here to Long Island. And so he's like, I got a plan. I'll just use their mind because that's where God destined to use them. See, in the, and see what, let me just say it again. Let me, can I read the Bible again? But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Let me help some of you. He said, don't be scared. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Satan, you intended to use my intellect to harm myself and abort my purpose, but my, my mind is now alive in Christ. Okay? Oh, okay, wait a second. You tried to destroy my marriage. Well, guess what? You said that a husband would be a mirror for how Christ serves the church. So I'm going to take my rightful position and then I'm going to allow my wife, Julie, to crush your skull like you said it was going to happen in the Word, too. Come on. See, wherever it was perverted reveals your purpose. Can I just say that again? Wherever it was perverted reveals your purpose. I want you to think about the greatest area of perversion and twisting in your life, and that is where Satan has accidentally revealed your purpose. Can I just say that again? Because somebody's getting free. What's the will of God in my life? Where were you fought? God, what is God's will? God, I can't know your will. The area Satan tried to kill you place you receive the greatest warfare that's where you're that's where it's at so you were fatherless will be a father to a nation you were abandoned be present for people who need you to look them in the eyes and affirm their identity that's what you needed most in your life you needed someone to affirm your identity so go out and be the one who affirms identity Somebody's getting a revelation in this room. Somebody's learning. Somebody is receiving their purpose. I want you to think about where your greatest attack in your life is. You showed up at this movie theater. You're listening to the podcast. That's revealing your purpose. Your perversion reveals the purpose. And what God does is he takes what's twisted and he unfolds it. And the tapestry of it reveals his beauty. And you begin to awe, in awestruck wonder go, wow, God, this whole thing was working out. When you had me here and gave me the dream, they sold me into slavery, but no way. There's another way to tell that story. They delivered me into my purpose. See, there's another way to tell your, your story too. Oh yeah, 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 that guy, he abandoned me. No, he, he actually didn't abandon me. He pushed me into the arms of God. That person, you, you didn't walk out on me. You actually pushed me into the arms of God. See, there's another way to tell the story. And I'm here to tell you the way that you wait reveals which story you believe. So I'm, somebody's walking out of here and they're going to say, I thank God I went to that church today. Because I, I talked to a woman and God bless her. 
she told me, she said, you got to understand something about New York. And when everyone starts like that, I'm like, okay, here we go. Okay, tell me about all 10 million people and be right. And she said, New Yorkers have a natural no. New Yorkers have a natural no. We have so many billboards and so many salesmen and so many people trying to shove stuff in our, down our throat that we have a natural no. So here's what I'm about to, about to ask you guys to do to close this, this message down. I want you to give me a yes. <laughs> I want you to give God a yes. It's so funny that all of V1 is built on the premise of saying yes to God completely. V1 is when that airplane's on the runway and right at the last second before it takes off, they have to acknowledge there's no turning back. I'm saying yes completely. This engine can blow out. The tire can blow out. I don't have an escape hatch. I don't have a parachute. I'm going all the way. And when you do that in your marriage, when you do that in your ministry, when you do that in your business, things begin to happen. And so what I'm asking a whole room of New Yorkers, or maybe you are, maybe you are, is to take your natural no, kick it in the throat, and say, I'm about to say yes to Jesus completely. Some of you are already saying it. So here's what I want you to do. Just close your eyes. <laughs> we got Joey. Joey from the book of Genesis, and we got Joey from Long Island. There's somebody here who needs to know that the dream is still just as real as when you got it, that it is coming to pass, and that God is for you and not against you. So with every eye closed, Romans 10, 9, we do this every week. I've made a vow to God I'd never take a microphone without giving an opportunity for people to accept Jesus for the very first time. With no one looking around, maybe you're in this space and you're just realizing like, God, you have encountered me you have enraptured me with your love, and I want to run into your arms now. I, I get it. I get it, God. It couldn't be any clearer than it is right now. If you're here and that's you with no one looking around, just between you and God, would you just lift up your hand and say, Jesus, I want to accept you today. I'm saying a yes. I'm saying a yes. Just lift your hand. I'm saying a yes, Jesus. There's yeses all over the room. Awesome. Awesome just put your hands down this is a second prayer that I want to do just with your focus on you and God right now if you're here and you're like pastor Mike I've had miscarriages I've had abortions I've had divorces and breakups career changes failed out of school Literally, all I'm looking back on my life and saying, I can't see how God could turn this around for my good or for anyone's good. But today, I want to receive that expectation. My hope in my heart is sick, and I need it renewed. Is there anyone here who say, God, renew my heart, renew the hope in my heart? Is there anyone here? Wow. You know what? Just keep your hands up. I want to do something. There's so many... Let's just kind of break out of our normal flow. Will you just all keep your hand up and everyone just look around right now? Just look around. Do you see that? Do you see that? Do you see that? It's okay to clap. 
That's what a family is. When you you're sitting in the room and you're all different colors and you're from different regions and different families, but you're all saying, I need some hope too. That's called a family. That's saying I'm not alone in this and I don't have to go at it alone. So can we just pray together? You guys can borrow my words and we're just gonna pray this thing to close it out real quick, okay? Can we do that? So everyone just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that my hope is being renewed right now. I receive a fresh vision, a fresh fire, a fresh anointing. Today, renew my heart and I expect the dream to be fulfilled because it's your dream in me. Have your way in Jesus' name. Can everyone shout amen? Can everyone shout amen? Come on, let's lift it up. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.